Hey Riverbend, happy Sunday to you. I hope you're doing awesome. Welcome to my living room. We're giving our lo-fi video setup a try. I hope it works out okay. Um, and if you hear any sort of chaos going on around me, I promise I'm not in any danger. That's just my son Judah, who's two years old. And man, he's been locked down for God knows how long now. And he's going a little bit crazy like the rest of us. But um, honestly, we're doing pretty good. And I hope you are too. We've really enjoyed the extra family time. And I've just loved spending more time in the presence of God in prayer. It's been a huge gift. And I, I know a lot of you have been enjoying it as well. We'll talk a little bit more about that today too. But um, before we get into a teaching from the scriptures, I, one more like first world problem, I guess, is that I am in desperate need of a haircut. I'm not sure if you can tell from the video, but it's just getting so long and crazy. It's driving me nuts. I almost took a, a uh, like a razor and just buzzed it before the video because it's been just driving me crazy. It's actually the first time ever that I have envied Brooke's hairstyle. So buddy, you've got it easy for this season. Anyways, all of those things aside, we are here to worship Jesus and study the scriptures together. So I hope you're ready for that. I can only imagine how this must be, um, this experience must be for you. It's sort of passive and you're in your living room and all of that. But we really believe that God has a lot he wants to say to us as his church. So we're leaning in right now. So whatever you got to do to sort of wake yourself up and prepare your heart to, to receive the word, please do that. So grab a, a Bible and a pen and journal. Fill up on coffee if you need to do that. Put away distraction and let's come to the Lord together and really enjoy his presence and seek him for what he might want to say to us. So let's get started with the word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for my friends. Thank you for my family. Thank you for how Riverbend has just come around one another and me and Grace in particular. And I thank you so much for the family love that's felt and experienced at Riverbend. And even though we're not gathering together face-to-face -face like normal, uh, we really do sense that you're with us and that you are cultivating in us a heart uh, for your kingdom and for community here in Bend as it is in heaven. And so, God, we just pray that you would inspire this time, that you would enter our living rooms, and that you would genuinely speak. Again, we don't need to hear from me or my wisdom, we really need your inspired prophetic word to go out with power. And so, God, that's what we'd ask right now is that even over a video, um, you would speak powerfully. And Holy Spirit, we just pray you'd fill us um, with strength to understand you um, and understand your heart and that you would just reveal your full self to us. We're eager for what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So um, as I just prayed and as we've been talking about in previous podcasts, we really believe that this pandemic is uh, a really critical moment in the trajectory of our church, of your family, of our story, of the whole world, obviously. But we feel like the Lord has a lot he wants to say. And so before we just like strike out and do a bunch of stuff, we're wanting to give God our full and undivided attention and to really receive from him. So um, open with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, which is where we're going to get started. So this is a moment, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul is writing about a time in his life where he has been in an intense season of suffering. He's hated, persecuted, he's caused a few riots, he's been um, in, uh, imprisoned under threat of death, capital punishment actually, 
there's been um, like stonings and he's been whipped and beaten and there's people even in the church that don't like him. And so he's just suffered so much. Um, and he's writing to the Corinthian church about that suffering and what God has taught him. So as I've been praying for you this week, this has just been the stuff that's been really sticking out to me. So um, let's start in verse three, which is where we're going to pick it up. Actually, let's start in verse eight, because I want to give you a picture of what Paul's been through, and then we'll go back to verse three. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. So think like Ephesus, actually, with this um, book that we've been studying prior to now. And we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life even itself. And instead, we felt like we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. I love that so much. So this is what has been sticking out to me in prayer this week. And what I want to talk with you about today is how we learn to rely and depend on God through suffering. There's certain things that we can learn while we're suffering in moments of crisis, like the ones we're in, that we cannot learn when everything is how we would want it to be. It's actually not during those, those times that where life looks exactly like we want it to look when we learn dependence and we learn reliance on God. It's actually these seasons of growth and disruption where God really teaches that to us. And here in America, uh, we like to lean on our own strength, our, our, our sense of self-reliance. And when we do that, um, quite frankly, we have mediocre results at best. Here, in the presence of God, in moments of crisis, we learn to have a deep dependence on Jesus, who has this incredible power, as you know, and we then rise up in the power of God as well. So in my times of prayer this week, I've had many of them because we've been doing this 24-7 prayer movement. And again, thank you guys so much for being a part of that. As I've been praying, um, there's just been this one phrase that keeps coming to mind, and that's this. Um, God is saying to me, I want you to seek me like never before. So again, um, I'm repeating myself here, but there is this catalyzing moment right now that COVID-19 has brought for me and my family, and I think for Riverbend and the world, if I can be so bold as to suggest that, that um, God is actually calling us to pray and to seek his face. And the three things as I press into that this week, the three things that I feel like that is, is number one, a, a, a deeper dependence on him. Number two, a, a hunger for his presence. And number three, like a holy ambition to see his kingdom come. So like never before, we want to have a holy ambition, just a desire to see the kingdom of God come and like a resolute conviction um, a catalyzation to seek after the kingdom of God like never before and a deeper dependence on God. So this is hopefully a reminder to you, but God is just redeeming all of our suffering for his end goal, for his game. It's not that God is causing suffering. It's not that he's masochistic or anything like that, but God is using this moment 
of suffering and he's using it for his good and it's bringing about these results this which is reliance and dependence on god and he wants to deepen your experience of his love and grace and that's what these moments of crisis do for us that moments where everything is just the way that we want it cannot do so back to the top verse 3 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3 so this is sort of the the flow of thought from Paul on suffering verse 3 praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we have received ourselves from God For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Okay, so I love this, and I hope, I hope again, that this is something that we can meditate on together. We're going to have some questions for reflection here in a minute. But here's point number one. Jesus comforts you in all of your trouble. Jesus comforts you in all of your trouble. One of my favorite Psalms that I've been reading again and again in my prayer times over the last uh, week or so has been Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble, ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, through, though the earth may give way and the mountains may fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God and the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is with her and she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. And kingdoms fall. I don't know if that sounds remotely close to our experience today. It certainly does have a ring of truth to it. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. And the Lord Almighty is with us. And the God of Jacob is our fortress. So we have this hope. Remember, the promise from God, from the scriptures, is not that he would insulate us from trouble, but that he is with us in trouble. And that, and that, and of course, also that trouble is temporary. So his promise is to be with us and to comfort us. He's saying to you and me, he's saying, I will not leave you. I'm here. I, I will not forsake you. I'm here with you. So what these times do is they teach us to lean into and learn about the right stuff. Ask the right questions. So often we're consumed by the question, why do I have to suffer or why do I have to go through this trouble or how can I get from underneath all of this trouble as soon as possible? And don't get me wrong, I think that those are okay questions to ask. God is certainly not afraid of those questions. And if those are your genuine real questions right now, I'd say press into those. But the real question is how is God coming to you in your trouble? How, how are you experiencing God in this trouble? Notice where is God as you're going through suffering? He's right here with us and he has suffered with us. What is he saying to you? How is he comforting you? He's coming to you and he's wanting to ease your, your, your distress and your pain. Again, not um, just parachute out of it or go around trouble but to go through it and for you to experience his presence in it. So that is our hope. Remember, Romans chapter 8, by the way, this is a biblical theme that we could look at in all kinds of different 
passages throughout the scriptures, but Romans chapter 8 is one of my favorites as well right now. If God is for us, who can be against us? In other words, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, who is Jesus. So the point is not that um, we're insulated from trouble. Trouble isn't coming our way. If we had any illusions of that, those are certainly gone now. But we have this hope that God will not leave us. And Jesus is actually the one who's comforting us. So out of anyone that you know, who would you want to be comforting you right now? It's him. It's Jesus. And he is right here with us. So because Jesus comforts us in all of our trouble, Paul's point is this, that um, we are to like cultivate a heart of thanksgiving. And this is a point that I hope you write down and I hope you take uh, to heart right now. Cultivate a heart of thanksgiving. Uh, so verses three and four, that's what it's all about. It's like praise him, praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, he goes on to describe about how he almost wanted, he just wanted his life to be over. He said, it's more than I can endure, but he's still praising God. And that's because he, God is the God of all comfort who's coming to him and he's able to receive uh, a sense of God's peace and his hope throughout his suffering. So um, this attitude of thanksgiving, I know we talk about this a lot at church. In fact, we sing all the time songs of praise and songs of thanksgiving. But it's a really important thing that I want us to, to, to key in on right now is that thanksgiving is a way that you can choose to move through the world. You can choose to move through the world with an attitude of thanksgiving. And that's what Paul has chosen to do. And he's rising above all of his circumstances, adverse circumstances, his suffering, his persecution, because he's choosing to thank God in the middle of it. And this is a really important thing. Now, we all know people who have a tendency to grumble and complain. In fact, I think it's something that our generation in particular is wrestling with right now. In fact, um, there's a lot of us who are homeschooling, and with our homeschoolers, there's lots of grumbling and complaining, and that's totally human. Um, and and so if you're, for example, homeschooling your kids, I'm sure you've experienced a fair amount of grumbling and complaining in this last month or so. But this wise way of moving through the world requires discipline, and it requires choosing to see what God is doing and choosing to trust that God is at work even when we don't see it and thanking him for who he is and what he's promised to do for us and the ways that he's been faithful to us throughout our pain and our suffering. This is a choice. Now you can certainly go to God with all of the things that you want him to change and the things that are broken about your life and you can weep and he can handle all of that and he wants you to lament and if you're feeling desperate then cry out in desperation. There's no reason not to do that. But there's also this moment, and the Psalms are a beautiful example of this, of always turning back and always finding a moment of thanksgiving for what God has done. That's the kind of person I want to be. And there seems to be this deep correlation in the scripture, and in particular in the life of Paul, where there's deep suffering, and there's deep pain, there's like deep adverse situations, just awful stuff that's happening to Paul. But he's choosing to thank God. There's a song that I just heard of, Ren Collective, a new album that just came out. And they there's a song of shouting praise in the shackles or something like that. And Paul was, of course, in chains 
in prison and he was thanking God and singing songs, teaching them and sharing the gospel to the people he was in jail with. So it's that sort of resolute spirit to choose to see where God is at work and thanking him in it. That is this wise way of living. It requires a lot of discipline, but I think there's some sort of correlation between that and relying and depending on the power of God rising above those circumstances. It's choosing to thank God. So have an attitude of thanksgiving. And when you do, that sort of redeems at least a couple of things. It redeems the purpose of suffering for sure. Um, the purpose of your trouble is to, according to Second Corinthians 1, to comfort others who are also living in trouble. Verse 4 puts it like this. Um, uh, verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that, as a statement of purpose, we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So again, just like so much of um, our spiritual formation and our life with Jesus, it's all about the good of others. I, I, um, I'm always concerned when I'm talking with a group of people or hearing a message that's um, from the way of Jesus or a teaching about Jesus, and it's all about us. Because in reality, the, the way of Jesus is very self-effacing. It's for the good of others. And so we, this is what we see with Paul. Paul is saying, ah, I, I get it. I get why I'm going through all of this. I'm going through all of this so that one, I can be comforted by God. He's good. He's here for me. But also so that I can spread the good news that God is a God of comfort and I can comfort others with, the, what, with what I've received from God. And so there is a purpose in the suffering that we're going through. Um, yours may be heightened right now. I, I don't know your particular story. I know a lot of them, but I don't know your particular story. And so maybe this moment is a moment of intense, heightened suffering for you. And if that's the case, there's a lot to say, but the one of the things to say is that there is a purpose in this suffering. And at least one of those purposes is to comfort others who have been going through trouble as well. So you can relate to, you can empathize with and encourage others who are going through things. And this is why we're doing care crews. And again, care crews are about you, but they're about more than just you. It's about loving one another. And so we really de uh, depend on you as the people of Riverbend to jump into a care crew so that you can take action and care for, take ownership for the well-being, the emotional and spiritual well-being of the people around you. A couple of days ago, we had our met as a care crew and we were able to just in a group of five people, just talk a lot more deeply about what's going on in one another's lives. There were some tears that were shed. There were some um, hard things that were shared. And we were able to pray for and, and relate to, empathize with the pain that people are going through. So again, if you're thinking, hey, you know what? I'm actually doing okay. I don't really even know if I need a care crew. Actually, that's the exact reason why you should be in a care crew. Because you can bring hope and comfort to others as you have been comforted by God. Also, in addition to that, um, there's all kinds of people outside of your little crew that God may want you to share and spread the love of Jesus with. And so um, this is about calling you to action. Some churches have these great like food drives going on and great sort of programmatic corporate church things that are happening. 
we have you guys. We have you raising, um, being raised up, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, and reaching out to your your network, your circle of influence, and really loving people very intentionally. So the point of being comforted by the Spirit of God is so that you can be healed and then spread that comfort to others as well. I hope that point is hitting home, and I hope that you take that to heart. Um, And then um, verse 5, let me reread it for you. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, we also, our comfort abounds through Christ. So in other words, what, what um, Paul is saying here is like, hey, secret, we're all just following in the example of Jesus. Jesus is the one who taught us how to suffer well, how to do the hard thing really well. And I think that's what we really need to take to heart and learn today is that we're just simply following in Jesus's footsteps. And when Jesus walked the earth, there was all kinds of pain and suffering that went along with it. And he showed us, he modeled the way of how to gracefully um, move through a life of turmoil and challenge and suffering in a way that is actually redemptive and brings hope. And that's what we get to do too. We get to follow in his footsteps. So I would even go so far as to say this, that the centerpiece of our faith is seeing victory, the victory of Jesus through evil, death, and darkness. It's enduring shame and hardship and coming out the other side of that in the peace and in the strength of Jesus. So, so, so good. Um, Maybe this is potentially one of the more um, redemptive purposes of coronavirus is that he's deepening your experience and my experience with suffering so that we can have a deeper experience of comfort and grace. Again, so that can be spread to the whole world. None of this stops with us. It's all about receiving from the Lord so it can be spread out. We are, in the language of Genesis chapter 12, blessed to be a blessing. Okay, let's move on. Verse 6. Verse 6. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort. So he's expounding on that previous point. And it's for your salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same suffering that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. You guys, this is so appropriate for right now. This scripture sort of reiterating something that we've been saying for a while at Riverbend, that God is wanting to form us and to shape us. And moments of, excuse me, moments of crisis like coronavirus, like this pandemic, is about more than just what's happening on the surface, right? On the surface, a lot of us are facing sort of the economic fallout of uh, a global pandemic. Some of us have lost our jobs. A lot of us are uh, facing, um, you know, they're having to take all of our classes online now and we're homeschooling our kids. And there's all kinds of things that ha- that are changing about our every day. And those, God's coming to us and all of those things. But there's also something several layers deeper about God wanting to form us as humans, as people in his image throughout this global pandemic. So it's about who we are becoming. And we see that here in verse six, where he says, it's producing patient endurance, producing patient endurance. God is with you. God is comforting you. That's what he's promised. 
And, and, and again, it's all for the good of others. And it's all about following in the example of Jesus. So because of all of that, let's, what would it look like for us to remain under this sort of season of disruption and this season of growth, this season of suffering that we're in because it's actually transformative. It's actually shaping who you are becoming. As um, I was, I've been homeschooling Isabel, my eight-year-old, who she's an amazing little girl and she's doing a really great job. It's been actually fun to be more active part of her learning process. But one of the things that we've been talking about is trying our best all the time. And this is just something that I'm really big on. I don't know if I've shared this story in a while, but uh, growing up, I was um, I was in competitive swimming from like age seven on, spent most of my life in a green Speedo. And uh, I was um, in on this swim team and um, it was fantastic. It, it taught me so many things about myself and about life and about rising to the occasion, about rising to challenge. I remember I had this one coach in high school, he was a world-renowned coach, he had coached a lot of people who went on to become world record holders, and we were really fortunate to have him as a coach, but he was so difficult, so, so hard. So one of the things that he would do every now and again, not all the time, but every now and again, we would have a, like a two and a half hour workout, and it's the end of practice, and you say, okay, I just have one more set for you guys, and it was like, I don't know, just say five 100s and, um, on the two minutes, and I want it all out your absolute best effort and give us this whole speech about not leaving anything in the pool and just doing our absolute best. So that's what we do. We look at the clock. There's only a couple minutes left in practice. So we're going to give it everything that we have. So at the end of that little mini workout, we've finished the last one. We feel like we've got nothing left in our energy reserves and we're about to just climb out and like end the workout end the practice. And my coach would stop us and say, hold up. Um, actually, we're gonna do that whole thing one more time. So give me five more. And it was like, as you can imagine, so demoralizing to, to get through something where you felt like you left it all out on the table, you have nothing left to give, and then now all of a sudden you're asked to give it five more times. And um, he, uh, this is the way that he chose to coach us. And of course, the lesson was not just, hey, I want you to do more reps. But the message was that there's always, you have a little bit more in you. You have a little bit more in you. Now, as I, I have to be careful how we sort of connect the dots here, because what I'm not saying is that Jesus is a masochist who's just wanting to like work you to the bone or something like that. I don't think that this coach was all that much like Jesus, although he did teach us some interesting lessons. The, 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 the point is that when we are going through trials, we are learning endurance. What we didn't think was possible is beginning to take place in our heart and in our life. We rise up to the challenge. We have the, the strength and the power to keep going, to hope against hope, and to have this sense of comfort and to spread it to others in the middle of our deepest, darkest season. So if that's the moment you're in, I think that's the message for you, is that there is more power and strength available to you than what you previously thought possible. And that's not gonna be just words anymore for you. That's gonna be something that is proven to you um, throughout the course of this pandemic and this experience. But that we have to, again, be very careful. Um, listen carefully to what I'm saying because there's a lot I'm not saying here. I'm not saying be self-reliant. I'm not saying you can do it, just try harder. 
I'm actually wanting to ask the deeper question, where is this power that Paul's talking about actually coming from? Where do we learn this patient endurance and how do we have access to that power? So verse 8, verse 8 says this, again, repeating from before, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We are under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we may not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Come on. Okay, so this is the point, you guys. That when we are facing more than we can bear, we learn to rely on the power of the Spirit. So this moment, this global pandemic, I want you, Riverbend Church, to be able to look this thing in the face with the confidence and with the boldness and with the, the, the courage um, to, ha- to, to face this moment, the boldness of the power of the Spirit. So... Here's what this means in particular. It's actually not about relying on your own resilience. I'm a type A person. I've got a ton of determination. That's both a blessing and a curse to myself and our family and our church. But that's just the way that I am. I'm very determined. But I'm not saying that in order to have endurance, you just need to tap into that extra reserve of determination if you're type A. What I'm actually saying is the opposite of that. It's um, learning to depend on the power of God is about resisting the temptation to lean on our own understanding and to lean on our own talents and skills and to lean on our own strength. It's actually resisting that as a temptation to sin, to say that I can do this or I don't need help. That's not at all the message here. That's not Paul's message. It's resisting also the temptation to be in control. This, again, is another American thing. We like to sort of take out our insurance policies on the promise of God. And by that, I mean we have these contingency plans. We have these things. Well, if it doesn't really work out, we, ha- we want to have all of these other things in place. That's leaning on our own understanding. That's leaning on our own strength. And that's sort of wanting to be in control. Again, these are human things. We're not actually shaming you if this is the moment you find yourself in. What we're saying is that we're, we want to learn to resist that. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, which we're going to get to in a bit um, in our study through the book of Ephesians, is the, one of my favorites, one of the most strongly worded verses in the entire New Testament. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Not be strong in and of yourselves. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And then again, the way that Paul expresses this here in 1 Corinthians, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians, is he says, this is, this is about the, the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. And you'll recall in, in Colossians and also in Ephesians, he, he sort of says this over again. He says, hey, by the way, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave is in you. So resist the temptation to be strong in yourself. Be humble, vulnerable, and come to the Lord and rely on him for his power. This is what we're talking about, a deeper dependence on him. This letter, 2 Corinthians, this is really um, beautiful. You should read it cover to cover. It's well worth your time. Um, But at the very end of the letter, 
Paul is essentially boasting about his weaknesses. He says, I boast in my weakness because when I am weak, then he is strong in me. When I am weak, then his, he is strong in me. Again, our temptation is to want to appear strong. We want to sort of save face, as it were. We want to appear impervious to worry and fear and the effects of coronavirus on our world. And we want to just kind of, um, I, I think there is this temptation for some of us at least to want to gloss over it with some generalities. You know, some like, it's all going to be okay, Christian jargon that we're sort of used to hearing. But the way of faith and the way of true power is accepting our weakness and vulnerability and putting the full weight of our hope in God. Let me repeat that. The way of true faith and true power is accepting our weakness and vulnerability and putting the full weight of our hope in God. God, if you don't come through, then I am absolutely and completely without hope. I'm falling headfirst if you don't catch me. Again, anti-American or countercultural, up the stream to culture for sure. But this is, I think, the what it means to depend on the power of God. So this real power, this real strength in the Christian life, it requires humility. It requires vulnerability, honesty. When it comes to myself, and it's about boasting in the confidence of God, in our confidence in God and in his power. So this is why I say to you, I, I want us to be able to look coronavirus in the face and not the, just the pandemic itself, but everything that it's impacting and affecting across our world and to know that we have this hope in Jesus that his power is going to keep us and is going to comfort us. And then that leads us to this last idea, and this is where we'll leave it today. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, verse 9, excuse me, verse 10, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us, and as you, and as you help us by your prayers, and then... Many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor that he granted us in answer to the prayers of many. So he has delivered us and he will deliver us again. So basically what we're saying when we are relying on the power of God is that we are trusting in the faithfulness of God. He has delivered us and he will deliver us again. So what this is about is you just um, going back in the story of your life and just sort of um, thinking about all of the different ways that God has been faithful. What are the moments in your life where God has been faithful to you? I, uh, we're coming up on the five-year anniversary of the death of our two daughters, our twin daughters that we lost at birth um, on May 10th, 2015. And um, as we reflect, there's all kinds of emotions that have been coming to the surface lately. But what's been amazing is to see at every turn through the story of our grief, God has been so present. And he has not just tried to gloss over our pain, but he's really been present with us and comforted us in our pain. And in retrospect, that's what we want. We don't want the the... The, the pain and the grief that we've experienced to just be fleeting 
and to act as though it's not there. But what we really, really need is a God with a, with a deep sense of passion and love for us. He's going to sit with us and to care for us. That's the story from our life. How has God been faithful for you and in your life? He will deliver you again. He's got the best track record. Every time God makes a promise, he comes through. There's never been a time where he hasn't come through on his promise. And so we can trust him. So think back on the ways that God's been faithful to you and then actively place your trust without any insurance policy in place, without any sort of like hedging your bet against the promise of God in any other way. Trust in him that he's going to deliver us. And then the last thing, set your hope on the return of Jesus. I love that line from verse 11. We are setting our hope that he's going to answer our prayer. And again, what the in the trajectory of this book, what that means, Paul goes on to talk about the temporary versus the eternal. He says, we don't even focus on the temporary. Yeah, we're, we're facing all kinds of struggle and, 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 and all of that. But we know that this is just temporary and we are like earning for ourselves a reward that far outweighs all of this. And, and that is what's going to be eternal. We're focused on what is unseen. Again, God is forming you. That's going on beneath the surface of the material world right now. God is forming your character, and that's producing endurance, which is producing for you a reward in heaven. And if we remain focused on seeking first the kingdom of God, and we stay focused and give God our full attention in this moment, we listen to how he wants us to respond to this world in crisis, I believe we are going to see um, great reward in, in, the, in the age to come. So this is where I leave it, um, is that we would just pray right now, come Holy Spirit, we need your power. So whatever that means for you, some of us have to like detach from and let go of the ways that we've been trusting in our own understanding, our own skills and abilities, our own strength, our own opinions or the opinions of others. Some of us need to um, relinquish control, release control. So we have some questions that we want you to reflect on that will hopefully help you sort of work through some of that and then just ask the Holy Spirit to come and to bring us his power. Um, and as you do this, I believe that what's happening is he's expanding and deepening your character, your soul, to contain what's coming next. And what's coming next, we believe, is an awakening to the gospel. We believe we're beginning to see that on the horizon. The first sort of glimpse of light on the horizon is coming. And that's that revival is coming. Awakening is coming. And the Lord is deepening your experience of his love and his grace, his comfort, so that you are prepared for what is coming next. He's producing in you endurance. He's producing in you this deeper sense of character. He's teaching you to rely on his power and his strength. And as we have this, this posture of thanksgiving, we cultivate a heart of thanksgiving, I believe we have everything that we need to rise above whatever circumstance we're in in order to glorify the Lord and to share his comfort with others. So again, what God has really placed on my heart is like never before. And that word just it feels so... Um, so important to me personally, but it may be significant to you too. Yes, you've been following Jesus for some time, some of you. Yes, you've had a, a, a prayer life where you've 
like sought after the presence of God. And yes, you've been about the kingdom of God. But what if this moment was like the turning of the page and it's like now, like never before, I'm going to seek after God. Never before be dependent on the power of God. Seek his presence and contend for awakening. So would you, along with praying with me now, going through the questions to reflect, would you also join me in praying for revival and spiritual awakening? You could go to the 24-7, our prayer movement, which is actually prayben.org. Prayben.org. Go to our prayer website and register for some times to pray. You can pray in the middle of the night, pray in the afternoon, any old time you want. You can pray with us for revival. So Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. We come to you now and we just want your power. We want your strength to be able to endure the situations we're in. We're thankful that you are a God of comfort. We just ask that you would give us your comfort now. I pray for my sisters and brothers. You'd strengthen them And in the ways that we've trusted in ourselves and in the ways that we've leaned on our own understanding and power, we just want to detach from that now, release this sort of control, the areas of our lives that we've had an unhealthy attachment to. We want to release that now and instead just receive your power. So come, Holy Spirit.